All right, well, we're back, Justin. Uh, we obviously hit on some smart diversification last week, got into the technical side a little bit more calculated, but we're gonna move to another kind of wrapping up our series here, but move to the touchy-feely side a little bit, you know, really dealing with the emotions of investing, the marketing gimmicks that we get thrown at us, aka the news news cycle but really how to deal with these things and, and really how to make them a, a big part or a good part of your investment experience as opposed to, you know, being inundated with, with things that, you know, make you make bad decisions ultimately into the end of the day. So, you know, would love to just kind of jump in there, Justin, maybe give us, start to give us a little context here as we move away from, like I said, the technical side, kind of the nuts and bolts, and we have to start dealing now with the human side of yeah. our portfolios. What are some of the things that we can consider? How do we deal with these things, et cetera? Kind of broad question. But. Yeah, well, we're moving away from the technical side, which I think a lot of people almost can say is, is the most important side. However, I, I would flip that comment really on its head and say the behavioral side, the psychological side, the emotional side is arguably more important, certainly just as important as understanding just the the financial science or the economics or whatever term you want to throw at this overall investing conversation the psychological side really is incredibly important and we do a little prep before we have this and i saw a quote that said essentially a good investment experience or a good financial plan is only as good as your ability to withstand the behavioral challenges that you will most certainly encounter over your overall investing journey. So yeah, this is a little bit more of the touchy-feely side, but taking a step back and understanding what we're talking about here can be incredibly powerful and really be the difference between a, a good investing experience and a, and a bad investing experience. Obviously, this whole series has kind of been an amalgamation of, of various items that lead to a, an overall positive in, uh, investment experience. But these last ones here that we're really kind of coming down the home stretch with are really, really, really important at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to highlight even it, on that emotional side, this is all natural, right? It's yeah. natural for these things to pique our interests. It's why the famous Warren Buffett quotes out there, you know, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful, right? Because it's counter to what you actually should or uh, what you're probably actually internalizing and feeling. Right. You want to actually be on the other side of that. And I think, you know, you can certainly go too far if you're just being contrarian, just to be contrarian. That's a problem as well. But you start to think about this kind of ebb and flow of emotions when markets are super high. A lot of times we'll talk with clients and they're really excited. You know, they they want to invest more. It's really easy to put money into investments when things are doing really well. But then on the flip side, when markets correct, you know, certainly without, you know, removing the emotion, that becomes oftentimes some of the most difficult times to be invested and to stay invested and really having, you know, shows the true value of, or one of the big values of having advisors right. is, you know, we're trained in removing that emotion, looking at things a little bit more objectively and, and helping clients to get to a better investment experience. But, you know, it's natural to go through these swings, but it is 
taking a step back and then putting it all into perspective. And unfortunately, what we have, right, is a multi-billion dollar, probably trillion dollar industry that really wants to prey on us to, to kind of go in and out. If you start to think right. about all the, you know, the trading commercials and all that type of stuff, you know, you've got Jim Cramer, buy, 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 sell, 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 sell. It's tough, right? Those things inundate us. We all know it. We're all susceptible to it. And you have to kind of look the other way and really simplify things. And I, I think it's a great place to maybe dig in a little bit further, right? Ask yourself where the advice is coming from. What is their interest in, in providing this quote-unquote advice? What's their economic model? Jim Cramer is not truly trying to sell advice. I use that term, but Kramer, CNBC, Bloomberg, et cetera, et cetera. They're not really selling advice. They are selling ads and you are the customer essentially, or you are, you are the product rather, excuse me. And the more that they can keep you glued to that TV, computer screen, phone, et cetera, et cetera, the more profitable their business is, the higher revenue there is, the more they can charge their advertisers, et cetera, et cetera, down that road. And, and understanding those incentives is a real important place to start. But then also realize, and Brandon, you've already hit on this, but just the, the general psychological nature of this, it is totally normal to ask these questions, to, to react in an emotional way, really, at the end of the day, when markets are, are going up and down. It's an incredibly valuable role that an advisor plays to be that intermediary, if you will. There's many other valuable roles that advisors play within a relationship, but being able to take a step back, hey, let's pause, let's look at what the data says, which we talk about ad nauseum here, but let's look at the, the data. The data, there, there is so much information out there, which can be part of the problem, if you will, going back to the, these news outlets and whatnot. But it's also pretty easy to get really good data and really good answers to your questions. Now, it doesn't always calm you emotionally and really settle things down necessarily right, right out of the gate, but it's really important to go through this whole process, understand where, where information is coming from. What are they actually trying to do? Is it, is it sound advice? Are they, are they bringing more of a transactional relationship to you, right? So much of what we, what we, the world we live in today is transactional in nature and very, very, very infrequently is buying and selling something actually what should be done. And so just all of these little tidbits, where, what, what are their incentives? What, are, what kind of model, what kind of business model is the, the outlet that, that you're consuming news from? Uh, what are they running? How are they trying to get underneath your skin, so to speak, keep you engaged, keep you scrolling, et cetera, et cetera. Asking all these questions are really, really important to help you process all the information that comes at us on a day-to-day -day basis. And then Right. Ideally, talk with your advisor and, and think through this more from a long term perspective and go back to your plan. And I think also just also I think the context of where you're getting this information from is a lot of times good. Right. We're all confirmation bias. Yeah. You know, oh, if I if I really like the Los Angeles Rams, I probably read the the Rams fan boards. Right. And I, I don't know who the rival is. I'm exposing myself. But. <laughs> You know, on the other side of the board, there's probably somebody with a different take, for instance, and it's no different than in the financial markets. I think, you know, going back to the incentives, a lot of these news outlets are trying to create 
kind of, you know, they want you to tune back in tomorrow, right? right? And so right. what does that need you to do? There needs to be either some anxiety or, or optimism or something, right? To get you to come back. They're not just going to say, hey, look, we may be going through a recession. It doesn't really matter when it comes to your market portfolios. Take a long-term approach. That's not going to get you to tune back in tomorrow, right? They want the dopamine hits. They want you to check the app again and again and again. And when you start to think about this, I was talking with a client the other day and they're like, well, inflation's definitely going to run away. So, okay, well, definitely. How do you know that? Interest rates are definitely going up. Look what the Fed's doing. They're raising rates. Like all interest rates are going up. Well, how do you actually know that? If you look what happened when they just raised rates, the market anticipated the what may happen in rate rising. But for the week after they raised the rates, rates actually went down right. on a lot of the spectrum. Inflation, everybody's screaming inflation could be high. It may, it may stay high for a long period of time, but in reality, the Fed's probably going to make some of these adjustments. Inflation's probably actually going to come down over some period of time here, right? We're not going to run at 9% inflation for the rest of our lives. Well, and and those are all totally valid points. And I think it's important to underscore, we're not saying we know what will actually happen here. We're actually, we, we can, we can chime in and, and say, Hey, inflation likely will come down, but at the end of the day, we don't know. And we're not going to make a decision based on that projection. I mean, that is what the, the data says time and time again, don't make these knee jerk reactions based on what's happening right now. You should have a portfolio and a plan in place that A, you understand, but B, is built to deal with environments like this before they happen, right? Making a change now, it's okay to ask, it's good to ask and reassess, but making a change in the midst of it is not, is uh, has never really been uh, a, a tried and true method to, to success at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I think at the end of the day, if you're trading on or you're making decisions based on emotions, that's always a very difficult place. I mean, you any aspect of life, right? You get in a fight with your spouse. You probably <laughs> want to take a breather before it. you yeah. go through, right? Like you're making a big uh, job change. You're signing a contract, a multi-year contract. You're probably not just grabbing the pen and scribbling unless you, you know, somebody's really overvaluing you. However, you give it some thought, right? You talk with your family, et cetera. You don't make these quick decisions and you allow your priorities, right? Your goals at the end of the day to dictate how you make decisions. And it should be really no different with your, with your investment portfolio. You should be in a portfolio that you can be very comfortable with and understand. And that goes back to financial structure. And we talk a lot about, okay, go back to the data. There is a lot out there and the source of that data or that, that information is critical. We've hit on that, but what is, what does some of this data actually say? Here's some real basic numbers around. This is, this is some data around investor behavior, sticking the course or sticking to the course, being a long-term oriented, um, individual. There's a company called Dalbar in our industry. They put together um, an average investor return study. And basically what they do is they, they'll survey a number of quote unquote average investors, assess what their overall performance is, and then just compare that to the S&P 500. You could look this up, D-A-L-B-A-R study, and you'll find all sorts of information on it. And the numbers over a 30-year period through the end of last year, so December 2021, 
basically for the average equity investor, you could look at this a number of different ways, but the, the general trend is the exact same. The S&P 500 returned 10.65% over that 30-year period of time ending last year. The average equity investor, and I'm not going to go into the exact definition, but it's it's a robust way in which they're defining the average equity investor, underperformed by over three percentage points. They returned 7.13% rate of return. That's due to a combination of behavioral, emotional considerations, right? Selling when you you shouldn't sell, buying when you shouldn't buy, et cetera, et cetera. Just having this knee-jerk reaction because it happens throughout history, throughout market cycles, and also fees. Fees are a big component of that. Taxes aren't even included in this. This is just the numbers that are reported. So these are all things we've talked about through this series. We're talking about and kind of summarizing here as we come to the to the close, but that's a meaningful difference. If you just did a simple compound number, we're going to get back in the technical space here, but if you just did a compound calculation of 10.65, what the S&P 500 did, and let's call it 10% over a 30-year period of time, that's a substantially different amount of wealth. Looking at this amount, if you invested, I'm, let's see, I'm doing the quick math here, $100,000 starting at that beginning of that 30-year period, it would turn into over $2 million just holding the S&P 500, earning three percentage points plus less, as the average investor did in this study, $789,000. It's $1.2 million, over 50% less total wealth at the end of the day because of the the incredible power of compounding interest, really, or compounding growth at the end of the day. And just to be clear, what we're not saying is stick your head in the sand and don't pay attention to anything. But what we are saying is take information in context and then rely upon the priorities that you put into place, have confidence in the financial structure that you've built with your advisors, and then allow your wealth to grow in a very sustainable, a very, you know, smart way rather than falling prey to, you know, the to the Wall Street animal, to the business model of the broker dealer, the Merrill Lynch's, Morgan Stanley's, Goldman's, the traders, all those people out there. Just just stay away from that. Stay off CNBC, right? Like fill your time with other good stuff. Uh, you don't need any of that in your life. And, and just to chime in kind of last statement here too, we have some really good recent experience. So some some of our clients, some of you listening are newer to the investing game or, or not game, the investing world. But it's not too long ago, March of 2020 or all of 2020 was an interesting period of time. That was when the pandemic started. That's not too distant. And that was a perfect little microcosm of exactly what we're talking about. Not every single correction or market environment is the same, but there's a lot of lessons that you can learn throughout history, really. There was one in 2008, 2009, the great financial crisis. And sticking the course and being disciplined and tuning out the noise and asking asking the questions, but not being not reacting based on emotion, just again, over these these more recent periods of time has proven to be the correct way of doing it. And it's also proven itself in, in years past, right? So it's not like this is a, hey, this time it's different type mentality to have. It really isn't. But it's good, again, to, it's healthy to ask those questions and and then go through this whole process that we've really highlighted today. For sure. So we're going to wrap up. Uh, hopefully this is a little bit of uh, help just how to frame some conversations. We're going to tie a bow on this entire series in the next episode. We're going to really dig into focusing on what you actually can control. We'll do a little bit of a recap 
but hopefully, like I said, put a bow on, on this entire series and, and hopefully it's been valuable. As you know, if you've been listening at all, you can join the AWM Insights community by shooting us a text. Uh, text comes right to my phone. It's 602-704-5574. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to be able to push this stuff out to you and get back to you on questions in the future. And until next time, own your wealth, make an impact, and always be a pro. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.